Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's a real honor to be with you guys tonight. I haven't preached in the Willows Church for a long time, uh, so it's good to be back. Anna was at the Highfield Church last week, preached a powerful word on um, singleness, sex, and divorce. They gave her a really hard topic, but she did well. Um, before I continue, I always forget to introduce my family. So I have a family photo. Uh, that is our... Just over five-month-old son, um, Ivan for the Afrikaans people, Evan for the English. Um, we had his uh, baby dedication last week, Sunday, um, and that was an answered prayer for about six and a half years. Um, just proof that God is faithful, God hears us, um, and God is sovereign. Um, yeah, so we are really, really blessed. Um, sleep is a luxury. Um, and, um, but it's a joy. It's a joy. Whenever I'm sitting at one o'clock in the morning with him, then I remind myself that I asked for this um, repetitively. Um, so just remember, um, yeah, when you are also at that stage of your life. Um, so like Alhard said, you guys are taking a serious break with your um, undignified worship series. And uh, so Jonathan asked me just to preach open topic, um, which is for me sometimes more difficult because I have a library of sermons, and then which one do you choose? So uh, normally when you get a, a text, then you can pray into it, and now you're like, okay, Lord, what do you say? And then you've got a lot of stuff that you have to filter through from what is on your heart. Um, like Alhard said, I lead our evangelism for a citywide church. What that really means is I try to help our churches be more effective in reaching the lost. Um, so... And so that naturally comes out. Um, so tonight we will be speaking into that. And I saw a whoop whoop when we spoke about evangelism. So here's our champion. Thank you for volunteering. Um, but as I was praying into just tonight and praying specifically for everyone that's here tonight, I felt God leading me towards something that still remains a point of tension in the world. And that is that question of who am I and why am I here? What is the, the purpose of my existence? Now, I've, I've themed it, the mystery of our existence, and I'll get to that just now. But um, in the world currently, uh, depression is seen as a global pandemic. So it's not something that is unique to South Africa, even though we feel we have the entitlement um, to claim everything that is bad in the world as our own. Um, everything is not that great everywhere else. But if we, we think about just mental health and depression, on the one side of the scale, you have hope and purpose, which acts as counterweights to thoughts of depression, thoughts of hopelessness, and also thoughts that I'm not good enough, um, a low self-worth or low self-value. And then also we have the digital age, so there's social anxiety, social media, peer pressure, all of these things that is feeding into who am I? Am I good enough? Am I beautiful enough? Because that's what the men ask, right? When, when we saw Lindry's video, we're like, yeah, I want some of that. Okay. Um, am I good enough? Am I able to measure up? And when, on, again, on the one side of the scale, when you are secure in who you are, 
it acts as a counterweight to everything that will be thrown at you from the outside world. So these, place, these places of tension. Now, like I said, the title, if you are into titles, is The Mystery of Our Existence. And it is sort of a mystery that, whom of you love nature, camping? So, nature, yeah? Camping, not so much. Glamping, okay? Glamping doesn't count. I have a... A friend in the UK, and he shared a photo of them camping, and then the, he shared that someone came to deliver food, and he asked, is it cheating? And I'm like, yeah, that's cheating, <laughs> all right? So glamping is also cheating, but it is allowed. Um, but when we are outside, and we look up at the stars, there's something majestic about it. There's something where you, you get to lose yourself in the greatness of the cosmos, to think that, man, my life is actually very finite in the scale of something or someone who is infinite. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God, the expanse of His creation, keeps on increasing. So scientists think that they will build bigger telescopes and they will be able to see the end of creation, but they'll never get there because it keeps on expanding. And then we think about the God who spoke all of this into existence by His word. And then he also spoke us into existence, and he chose by some mystery that his identity would be imprinted into us. In our image, he created us male and female. Like, God, that doesn't make sense. Then God chose in his manifold wisdom to redeem us, to save us, to co-labor with us, to give us the ability to love Him, to know Him deeply, deeply and personally. And all of that is a, a mystery. And then in that space, we have this question, but Lord, why did you create me? And the Bible says that the timeline of your existence was preordained by God. God chose the boundaries of your life, when and where you will be born, where you are currently studying. Whom of you are studying at Tux? Tux of Nix? Okay? And you thought to yourself, I am a very clever person, and I'll prove it to the world by studying at Tux. All right? Now, God ordained for you to be there. Some of you might fail. That's okay. That's okay. We can't win in everything. But there's the mystery of our existence. Why did God create us? Now, I want to go into the book of Ephesians. That is my time, which is very important. So the book of Ephesians is one of my favorite. Um, oh, luckily it's closed. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Sure. Okay. And you can open to Ephesians chapter 3, but in the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks about a mystery quite a bit. So in this book, he, speaks, he uses the word mystery about six times, um, speaking about the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the fellowship of the gospel, um, the fellowship of the inheritance that we have in Christ. And he unpacks that word mystery about six times in the book of Ephesians. And tonight, we'll be looking at... The mystery of our existence, but looking, taking a look at two things, your position 
and your purpose. So, before we go into the word, um, I was, I heard a story in the week about a dad whose child was playing somewhere and um, running into um, a busy road where a car was coming their way. And then the, the dad just called his name. So let's say, Elgard. And then immediately the child stopped, looked around, and the dad says, come back, there's a car coming. The child responded, turned around, came back. But that child has been trained to hear the voice of the father, but also to, to respond to the authority of the voice of the father. And then that voice of the father has the ability to shape, to define but also save your life. In the same way, when we get into the word of God and we allow it, we give it its rightful place to say, Lord, I see your word, not just as good advice, but as the word of God. And I give you tonight that your word has authority in my life. The word of God has the ability to do the same. It's alive and active. So Father, I pray that as we go into the word tonight, that we will uplift your word higher than our emotions, higher than our circumstances, higher than our inner thoughts. Lord, that your word would have the position of authority in our lives and we give you permission tonight, Lord, that through your word you would speak to us, that you would define us, and that you would direct us. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 I'm going to be reading from verse 8. You can follow on the board, I think. Yes. So verse 8, I'm reading from the New King James, for those of you who are interested. Paul writes, he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So Paul says that this privilege to proclaim the mysteries of the fellowship of the gospel has been entrusted to him. But then he says that this, this purpose has been locked up in Christ from the beginning of the age, but now... After Christ has risen, rose from the grave, God now has a plan that through the church, the manifold, the multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and principalities in the heavenly realms. Whom of you know that we are living in a spiritual battle? All right? Whom of you know that what is spiritual comes before what is natural? In the beginning, God created the natural so whatever created the natural was from the spiritual. And in the same way in our lives, what is spiritual manifests into the natural. So there are spiritual strongholds that needs to be dealt with that then gives a release or a freedom or a breakthrough in the natural. Do you guys see why prayer could be important? 
because we're engaging in a different realm, calling it into existence in this world. So Paul says that there is a multifaceted wisdom of God, and we'll get into that just now, that is not to just be declared to the people on the earth, but into the spiritual realm, the spiritual powers and authorities and dominions, that there is a victory which Christ has accomplished that ultimately defeats and renders the enemy defeated. And we proclaim that into the spiritual realm. But then he goes and he says, according, everyone say according, to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. An eternal purpose. You see, you and I, we cannot think outside of time. We struggle. When we think God is going to say, when Jesus says, I'm coming back soon, we're like, okay, Jesus, soon. Um, it's more than 2,000 years now, so soon. Or Jesus says, hey, I'm going to answer that prayer of yours soon. It's like Jesus has been three days now. I think we need a resurrection. <laughs> All right? God operates outside of time, and he has an eternal purpose. Jesus coming down into the earth was not an afterthought. Before the foundation of the earth, God already knew that those whom he creates will rebel against him and a savior would be needed. Before he spoke a word, it was already decided that Christ would come. And God is working all things unto eternity. Now here's the tension and the challenge for you and me. When I have plans for my life, normally it relates to this world, this side of eternity, my studies, the career I want to run in, the dreams that I have, the places I still want to travel to. Some of you have an empty passport. It needs a couple of more stamps. All right? When you and I have plans for our lives, which are different to God's eternal purposes, we have attention. Then we find ourselves in this place where we might love God, we might be sitting in church, we might be leading a connect group, but I just don't feel that my life is in rhythm, in harmony with God. There's this tension in my soul. But God is always working with eternity in mind, always, for the utmost glory of His name. Sometimes God will bring healing. Sometimes he won't. Because he is measuring and acting in light of eternity. Sometimes God will answer your prayer. Sometimes he won't. But he's always mindful of eternity. And ultimately God is working all things for the utmost glory of his name for eternity's sake. Friends, God is working in your life thinking about you for eternity. And sometimes we get to this place where we're thinking, God, why are you withholding stuff from me? But he's saying it's for your good for eternity. Whom of you know how long eternity is? Okay, whom of you will live that long? For, <laughs> in eternity. That was a trick question. But I only realized it after I asked it. Friends, what is more important? This life, this world, the things of this world, the dreams and the desires of this world, even though they might be right, even though there might be not, not be anything malicious in them, 
I remember when we were praying for Ivan, we were struggling with this thing of God, why are you delaying a promise? And God had to speak to us to say, this is not about you. Even though your desire for children is good, it's not about you. The timing of his birth, the placement of his birth is about my kingdom. And I am answering your prayer in line with my eternal purposes. I want to give you, give you two things. That if, if we can position ourselves there, it will help us to live mindful of eternity. The first one is to find your place in Christ. To find your place in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 6 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. I'm running through a couple of verses in the book of Ephesians. Um, disclaimer. I'm not going to be able to go into the riches of all the text because the, the, the chapter of, of the book of Ephesians is so rich. But you will do well to write down the verses and go and spend time on them. Let God, let the Holy Spirit work the mysteries of His Scripture into your heart. And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by very nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, everyone say, but God. Normally when you read that, that's like, that brings good news normally. Something bad, but God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How on point was the song selection tonight? Because we sang that. made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One of the major themes in the book of Ephesians is that word in Christ. 35 times in the book of Ephesians, it speaks about that theme of being in Christ. If you wanna know your identity, know who you are in Christ. So he says that we have been made alive, which means we were dead, good, here he says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, the direction of this world, the flow of this world. So let's say there is a river flowing and it's going in a direction and that's the direction the world is going in. Meaning if you jump in and you go where everyone is going, it would not seem strange. To do what everyone else is doing would not seem strange. According to according to the course of this world, and then it says, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. There is a spiritual force behind what we see happening in the world today. The direction that the world is flowing in is being directed by a spiritual force. 
someone is ushering the waters in a certain direction saying, flow this way, flow this way, flow this way. And we just jump in because everyone's doing it. And then he says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. We jump in because we want to. That's what Paul says. Yes, the world is flowing in a direction and everyone's doing it. There might be some things where people even say, well, the church just needs to wake up. We are not in the 80s anymore. What was wrong in the 80s is not wrong in 2023. So let's flow this way. But there is a spiritual force at work pushing the water in a certain direction, which ultimately leads to death. There's a waterfall at the end and you don't have a what do you call a life jacket? Is that a life jacket? Yeah. Okay. Or a parachute. Or a rowboat. There's nothing. But you jump in because you want to. There, is, there are certain desires that you have in your heart and you see the world going somewhere. It's like, yep, that appeals to what I deeply want. And that causes us to be participants of death. You see, when Jesus came to save us, he didn't come to save us from our deeds. He came to save us from a nature that is dead, that needs to be made alive. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, can dead people help themselves? They can't. When we were dead, Jesus, God made us alive together with Christ. Amen. God did a work in those who were dead. The Bible says that when we were far off, while we were still sinners, we were not looking for Jesus. He came looking for us. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Friends, when you and I respond to Jesus, it's not because you and I were so diligent in reading our Bible, say, yep, I'm now a good enough person. I can now call on Jesus. You can only call on Jesus because the Spirit of God has worked it in you to know Him, to be able to call on Him. If it was not for Jesus, you would not be able to call on Him. He made us alive with Him. But then it says this, and this is a sermon on its own. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Jesus seated right now? In the heavenly places. In a, in a position of rulership. Ruling over the cosmos. Holding everything in place. There is nothing that is out of his control. Where are you seated if you are in Christ? With him. In the heavenly places. When you were made alive, your spirit being comes alive. You are raised with Christ and seated alongside him in the heavenly places. Friends, that alone is something that you can go and meditate on. That if you are spiritually seated with Christ and you learn how to see and observe and measure life according to the spiritual realm, you get to live differently in this world. Because there is no war, there is no conflict, there is no lack of provision where Christ is seated. And if you are in Christ, you are seated alongside him, you get to live from heaven's perspective. Amen. That is good news. 
we get to be raised with Christ. Some of you might be familiar with a, a tool called the God Test, which has a couple of questions to try and help you understand a little bit about what you believe about God, and even if you don't believe in God, why you don't believe in God. But one of the questions says, on a scale of one to 10, how certain are you that you are born again, that you are saved? That's a trick question. So if you haven't used the tool yet or you were planning to this week, um, spoiler alert, it's a trick question. Let's say Anna is flying to Cape Town and I phone her and I say, hey Anna, did you make your flight? And she says, almost seven out of 10 I made my flight. What does that mean? She's still stuck at Owatambo. You can't 70% be on a flight, okay? If you by some miracle got onto the runway and you're hanging onto the tire of the, the plane, eventually you will fall off. You are either on the plane or you are not. You either made the flight or you didn't. You are either born again or you are not. There is no in-between. And that is one of the greatest deceptions of the devil, to think that you could be almost saved, as if your works could do it. When you are in Christ, it gives you a position that was earned not by your works, but by the works of him whose works were perfect and whose works will never change, and it gives you a position that never changes, you have security, assurance of salvation. If you are in Christ, do you know that you are born again? Do you know that you will go to heaven? Yes, why? Because it says, I'm already seated alongside him in the heavenly places. As a born again Christian, I'm not obeying Jesus so that I will hopefully make it to heaven. No, I'm doing it because I've already got security of my position in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 12 to 13 says, At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So here's the part of the gospel that's sometimes difficult for us. We were made alive with Christ, but in order for you to be made alive in Christ, you also have to identify with his death. For you to die to yourself is essential for you to identify with the death of Jesus. Jesus died because of sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans, 3, 20, Romans 6, 23. So Jesus died for sin. When you and I die to ourselves and we give ourselves away and we identify and connect ourselves with Jesus in his death, then we also get to participate in his payment over sin. As I die with Christ, my sins are paid for. It's finished. It doesn't need to be paid for again. And in that same way, I now get to identify with his resurrection from the grave. And death no longer has a hold on me. The fear of death is taken away. Oh, death, where is your sting? And now we get to be raised with Christ and seated alongside him in the heavenly places. Friends, understanding your position in Christ is essential to you living your life mindful of eternity. The second thing is to find your place. In, before I go to the second point, this is important. The tension here is that we think 
or thinking that Jesus is an addition to your life and not all of your life. I'm living my life in a certain way and I'm adding Jesus to what I am currently doing. And as I continue to live, I'll give more and more of myself to him. That is not the gospel. That is you making Jesus something he is not. If he is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Yesterday we were at the Kroenis show. Anyone else was there? No one? Okay, great. Like a crowd. Niemand heeft een Afrikaanse muziek nie. I'm not a massive pop Afrikaans music person. Primarily because the lyrics are so shallow. 80% of the music they were singing yesterday was speaking about the typical stigma around Afrikaans people and alcohol and girls and parties and all of the nonsense. And there was this one song, I can't remember the girl's name who sing it, but the Heere het my mooi gemaak. Alright, you guys know that song? That was one of the songs we, they sang last night. So the Heere het my mooi gemaak. Alright? The Lord has made me beautiful. Directly after that, parties, drinking. It's like, how does that work together? You see, the river is flowing in a direction where, where it is told that you can be a Christian and worship God with your mouth on a Sunday and speak profanities during the week, get drunk over the weekends, and maybe even come to church with a bubble us. See, the world has given us a picture of what Christianity could look like, which makes room for you to keep on doing the things you desire to do. But that Jesus does not exist. You and I need to die to self so that we can be made alive with Christ. And then the second thing is to find your place in the body. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 says, And he, God, has put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's very profound. So God has made Jesus the head over the body, the church, and through him the fullness, uh, the fullness of Christ dwells in the earth. So there, is this, there are desires that Jesus has and he accomplishes it through his body. The Bible says that in the Old Testament, in the old days, God spoke to the people through the prophets, but now God has made himself known through Christ and after the resurrection of Christ, God now fills the church with his spirit, but the church, the body of Christ, is now the representation of God to the world we live in. God has an eternal agenda for the world, which he outworks through the church. God doesn't have a plan B apart from his body. Why did he choose to do it that way? It's a mystery. He longs to be in relationship with us. He chose to do it through us. It's his body that now accomplishes the purposes of Christ in the world we live in today. And then Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. By whom? By the church. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Friends, when we say church, we do not mean this building. 
when we say church, we do not mean a crowd bigger than 50 or 100. It's the body of Christ. It's believers who have become in Christ, who have been made alive with Christ, and they are in Christ. And then as they have now become in Christ, they have given prerogative of their lives over to Him who is Lord over all, and then He positions them in His body. And He says, now as part of my body, you will accomplish my purpose, and my kingdom will be established. Jesus spoke about the, the, the gospel of the kingdom. You see, the gospel of the kingdom is not just the message that sinners need to be saved and they need to receive Jesus so that they don't go to hell. No, the message of the kingdom is also the manifestation of the kingdom and the works of the kingdom. The manifold wisdom of God that needs to be proclaimed to the principalities and powers of the spiritual realm includes from eternity beginning to eternity end. The wisdom of God to create us in His image. In that wisdom, God spoke an identity and a worth and a value over human beings. Who gets to oppose the wisdom of God? No one. And it's up to the body of Christ to now go into society and to proclaim the wisdom of God that this is the value and the worth that is placed on human life, even those who are still in the womb. God chose in His wisdom to create male, female, Friends, there is enough confusion out there. It's up to the church to proclaim the wisdom of God, to say there does not need to be an identity crisis. This is how God formed it to be. It was the wisdom of God to send Christ. It was the wisdom of God to add us together. It was the wisdom of God to form marriage as a signpost to the gospel. So it's up to the church to proclaim the wisdom of God. It's up to the church to proclaim the wisdom of God when there's injustice, when there's inequality, when there's racism. It's up to the church to proclaim the wisdom of God where there is unrighteousness, to stand up for what is right, even though it might come at a cost. I think we... We have been privileged for a long time in South Africa to be Christians fairly unopposed, but it's changed. To be a Christian, to stand up for what is right, to be in Christ and to live that life will cost you something. Jesus gave us many promises, but one of the promises he gave us was that in this world you will have suffering. Thank you, Jesus. So here's the tension. It's when we think that we can have a purpose for our lives on our own, individually. That there's an individual call of God on my life. You won't find that in Scripture because God adds us to His body. Again, not a building. There's a tension when we think that we get to define our own lives. We get to define for ourselves what is my purpose. We get to define for ourselves who am I, what have I been called to do. There's a tension where it's, when it's our kingdom versus the kingdom of God. And there's a tension when it's our own desires and intentions versus God's design. God is working His eternal purposes in the world today. How are you positioned? That's the question. 
God is always working with eternity in mind. It will not change. There are certain things which God has already predestined. And when we choose to go in a different direction, you will have a conflict. There will be a friction in your relationship with God. The first one is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ tonight as you sit here? Have you made a decision to surrender all of your being to Jesus? Allowing Him to define, redefine, direct, and redirect your life. If you are in a relationship that is not godly, if we say, Jesus, you can have it all, we sang that song, quite a powerful song to sing. If you sang it, I'm sorry, <laughs> because now you've spoken certain words over your life. Jesus, you can have it all. If you're in a relationship which is ungodly, are you willing to lay it down? If you're in a relationship that is not ungodly and Jesus says you need to lay it down, will you lay it down? Have you surrendered it all? I was challenged with this personally that it's easy to say yes to Jesus hypothetically and your yes will be tested. Who knows that it's easy to say yes to Jesus in this environment the lights are dimmed, the music is good, the drums are pumping and it's beating your chest. It's like, yeah, I can give my life to Jesus. It'll be tested tomorrow. It's easy to say yes to Jesus hypothetically. Tonight, the question for you is, have you been positioned in Christ by His design, by His works? Have you died to yourself and allowed Him to make you alive in Him? And then secondly, how are you positioned in his body? Are you living for your own kingdom? Or have you surrendered your kingdom for his kingdom? What does it look like for you to be a representative of the body of Christ on campus, in your workplace, in your family circles, among your friendship groups? Is there a place where some of your friends might not even really know that you are a Christian? Or not a very good one. Is there a place where God is calling you to stand up for what is right? Is there an injustice that God is stirring on your heart? Some of you, when, when, while we were worshiping, I was standing at the back. And I really had the sense that if this group of people was to take hold of the gospel, Paul says, take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. If you were to take hold of the gospel and that for which Christ Jesus died for you for, you can change the world. That whole slogan with every nation campus, change the campus, change the world, friends, it's not just a slogan. With Christ in us, the hope of, of glory, what is impossible for him? If God has set certain eternal purposes in place, will he not do it? And the greatest thing for you is to surrender yourself to his eternal purpose purposes here's the good news you don't have to have it all figured out tonight because he has given you his spirit and it's the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth and he will show you the way but it is that continual surrendering yes lord yes lord yes lord let's pray
I want to give you an opportunity tonight while we're just in this moment. And you know you need to return to Jesus tonight. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. You've lived in a form of Christianity and you've been um, worshiping and serving a form of Jesus, but it's not really Jesus. And tonight the Spirit of God is speaking to you to saying, today is the day of salvation. Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you tonight, I want you to stand. And this is not to embarrass you. This is not to make you feel awkward, even though you will. This is to activate faith in your heart. Because friends, to, to receive Christ requires faith, not good works. You will be tempted tomorrow to try and do the works of Christianity, to try and do the works of someone who is saved. It is by faith that you are saved through grace, not by our own works. And if that's you tonight and you know you need to surrender your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe you've drifted away and you need to return to Him tonight, I want you to stand. Thank you. Friends, there's no shame in standing. Please do not entertain that thought for a moment. You are standing and as you are standing, I need you to hear this, you are being recognized by the King of Kings. He's looking at you and he's saying, my son, my daughter. This is not about anyone else around you. This is about you and Jesus. Anyone else before we pray? sitting one night with, um, with our son and he, just looking at him it was one of those one o'clock mo uh, moments and I was just so overwhelmed by the intensity of the love that I have for this baby who hasn't done anything yet other than poop and wake us up and God just spoke into my heart the intensity of his love for us And I pray that as you are standing, that you will be confronted and overwhelmed with the intensity of the love of the Father for you tonight. Lord, as they stand, we come and speak to the accuser. And we say to you, accuser, the blood of Jesus silences you. You have no power over their lives you pray this with me Lord Jesus and the rest of us can pray together as an encouragement Lord Jesus tonight I choose you I surrender my life all of it even the things that I'm holding on to even the things that I think define me I give you my life I give you my future Lord, I give you my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. 
thank you for your blood that washes me clean. And right now, I receive your fullness. I declare over myself, I have been made alive. I have been raised with Christ. And I am seated in the heavenly places alongside Him. Amen. Let's give them a hand. I know that in in this church, they have a a very intentional plan to help you not just know Jesus, but to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So if you are, if you responded tonight, and maybe even if you're in this church and you're not connected somewhere in one of the discipleship groups, friends, it's good for you to encounter Jesus. It's good for babies to be born, but they need to grow up. They need to mature. They need to become sons. Now the last response, and this is very specific, so don't stand if you are not serious. The church of Jesus, His body, has been commissioned by Jesus to be a lighthouse for those who are lost. Jesus said that He came to seek and to save the lost. And then he says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Some of you here tonight know that God has been speaking to you about ministering and sharing the gospel with people that you know, with friends, family, colleagues. You've been holding back. Some of you here are wrestling with a call to vocational ministry. Some of you have been wrestling with God about becoming a missionary. And God is dealing with fear in your heart. If you know that God is speaking to you about ministering the gospel to those around you, if God is speaking to you about um, becoming a missionary, I want you to stand. And I'm going to pray a prayer that I pray the Holy Spirit will answer. But don't stand if you don't want him to do it. Isaiah 6 verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell. Holy Spirit, I pray 
that you will touch our mouths. Purge us from the things of this world. And Lord, I want to pray a dangerous prayer and ask that you will wreck us for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, your word says that we can um, pray and ask for boldness. So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fall on us and give us greater boldness to continue ministering the gospel. Lord, I pray that you will right now in this moment speak to your people about specific areas where you want them to minister into. Friends, the LGBTQIA plus community is not a plague. It's a people who desperately needs to be loved. I see that some of you are almost in a place where um, that community irritates you. Um, but you know God is sending you. Lord, I pray that you will speak to people now about specific people groups that they need to reach out to. But Lord, tonight we stand and we say, we give ourselves to you. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. You can have it all. Would you just say that to him? as you are standing. Jesus, you can have 